You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And it is actually Purple Access, part of the Purple Daily family, of course, presented by our friends at TCL. Football season's right around the corner. Should be watching some uh, the ball games on a TCL. It's Judd Declan producing and Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune. I think he's from the Star Tribune literally today <laughs> joining us as he does every other week. Of course, Tyler Fornis, VikingsWire.com, uh, appears in the weeks in which Chip does not. And Chip, let's get right to it. A week into training camp, I've seen you out there a bunch. What are your observations? What's what's on the top of your mind when it comes to what you've seen so far at TCO? Uh, a couple things. Um, I think the defense is showing uh, a continuation of what we saw in spring practices, OTA, minicamp. Um, we've seen a number of interceptions. I don't know if that's good or bad, but good for the defense. But um, mm-hmm. we've seen Harrison Smith make a couple. Uh, Lewis Seen made an incredible one. Was that on Saturday, Judd? What day was that? Yeah. He made, at the end of the um, – I think it was Saturday. The, yeah, in a team period was just – that's kind of the play you've been waiting to see from him, right? Um, yeah. So I, that has stood out. Um, I think Jordan Addison, to me, has stood out. You can see – just watching individual drills. I remember the first day there, and you know, not some great football mind um, – but he just looked different. How quick he was, his footwork, and I remember—I I think you were standing by me, or just like, look how fast he is, just making those cuts and uh, getting out of his break. And so he stood out. And Cousins talked yesterday at his press conference about—I think Seifert asked him, like, from a young receiver, how does he gain your trust? Like, what does you? What do you need to see that you uh, feel comfortable throwing a ball? And and, and Cousins says he, he wants to see him at the catch point. He said. So many catches in the NFL or contested catches. You're not going to have a lot of space. You're just going to have to be able to make a catch with a guy draped on you or, or you know, in, in close proximity. And Addison has done a good job of showing him that he can do that. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I think he has stood out. Um, trying to think any other, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't been out there since uh, Daniil's been back. Um, so I haven't He's really done much. It, yeah, it's they had to walk through yesterday in the one yeah. padded practice, but they're not gonna they're gonna ease him in. So I don't know if we can draw any grand conclusions there. But I just I just think we're seeing um, I think we're seeing the creativity and the aggression of Brian Flores' defense carried over. And, and, and Kirk Cousins talked about that yesterday. He said the one curveball for him at camp has been that defense. And it's, I heard this. It's interesting that he said he won't see this defense soon or at all this year, and that yeah. he's like. His, his gears are grinding, trying to figure out in the meeting room how to beat the defense. And the, and the quarterbacks and quarterbacks coaches have told him, Kirk, you're not going to see this defense. Stop trying to beat this defense. You're, you're getting looks that you're not going to see. So I, I, I thought that was pretty interesting admission yesterday. Well, yeah, and I, I think the, the positive, though, of that statement is he might not get those looks, but it's certainly going to present the opportunity to be 
um, to not know what is going to be thrown at you. I I mean, this is as far as I can tell. And again, to your point, we're not coaches, but you know, Chip, this is as probably as big a 180 as uh, from Donatel as you can possibly get, because the predictability of what these guys are going to do defensively really intrigues me. And I keep telling Phil this. I'm not convinced this defense is going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be top 10 probably or top five, but I'm not so convinced. I I think that coaching goes a a long way. And I keep saying too, I also think because we, I think we're led to to believe, well, if you don't have the big names, right? Kendricks is gone now, but Kendrick started somewhere, you know, Zimmer coached him up. So I really think that this defense has a chance to pleasantly surprise and certainly, let's say they could be because if they could be like fifteenth in scoring, that's an enormous improvement on what we saw a year ago. Yeah, and I sat down with Harrison Smith on the first day of training camp, one on one, and you know a big part of why he decided to to take the pay cut and come back, he said, was to be in this defense and have an opportunity to play under Flores. And he he said it twice. He said, I don't want to speak too loudly about this, but I feel like we have some pieces that people aren't thinking about or maybe don't know about that are going to fit this defense really well. He said, you know, I know nobody really thinks much of us, and that's fine. We have to prove it. He said, but he thinks there's pieces that fit it. And so, I, you know, we can only guess who he's talking about. Maybe Asamoah, um, you know, maybe some of the linemen. I don't know. But um, but it's interesting that that you're. I think you're right that, well, you always hear, like, coaches, can you get them to play above maybe what they are, right? Can you elevate their play? The one thing that's, that's really jumped out to me in listening to coaches and players talk about about this defense is the one word I more than even aggressiveness is communication, communication. You hear that a lot. And and I feel like because they're disguising and moving around and doing all these things and uh, being multiple and guys playing different positions that you better be on the same page or this can look bad. Right. And so I think, I think that's a big thing that they're hammering home is like, I don't think it's so much the physical part. I think they have guys that have talent. I think it's clearly going to be a faster defense than what we saw. Yes. But I think the biggest thing is you better know what you're doing. You better know the checks. You better know if you're here, there, you're passing them off, whatever. Uh, I've just heard that word a lot, and it's been on my mind, like communication, communication. I, I hear Brian Flores say that a lot. So I wonder if, that, if they're kind of working through that process right now. And I, I think that is one of – the reasons that that because um, I, I was a little perplexed about why they brought him back. And now I think I get it. Jordan Hicks is going to be huge here. It's not because yeah. he's athletically, you know, the most gifted guy, but he's the green dot guy. And I, I think that part of this and to your point, communication, veterans sort of knowing what's what. It's going to fall largely on Jordan Hicks and Harrison Smith. And, Harrison, and those yeah, guys I are going to. And, and so, because like Asamoah is going to get confused at times, you know, the cornerbacks are probably so. Josh Metellus, yeah. Yeah. So I think part of this is the incredible importance of a few select veterans who can play a key role physically, but just as importantly, are going to be needed to be sort of on the field coaches. And don't you get a sense that they're throwing a lot out there and probably seeing what this, this group can handle? Yes. And then, and then as they get closer to the season, maybe you have a better idea. Okay. We've got to dial this back. We can't do this. I'm comfortable calling this. I think this is kind of a yes. trial and error. And, and I think those, I think those joint practices are going to be and in and, and the, the preseason games too, but the joint practices where your starters are going to be out there more in uh, your, your main guys, more than guys that are going to make the team. Um, 
I think that's going to go a long way to show Flores, okay, this group is capable of doing this, right? I feel comfortable calling this and, and you know, trusting that guys are going to be in the right spot. So I think they're going to learn a lot about this this defense, particularly um, in those joint practices and, and kind of know where they're at and what they can handle. I agree. And here here's what I think. Um, and I don't know the exact rules, but I think in the exhibition games, they're going to do nothing. Like it's going to be vanilla yeah. and boring. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you share joint practice film with the league. So like the Titans and Cardinals. Probably we'll not. See, why would you? Yeah. yeah would you? So, but my point is, I think you're right. I think part of the, part of the reason why they probably tried to get two joint practices instead of one is Flores can probably do his work in those practices against an opponent because, yeah. you know, we have never seen, especially defensively, I, I don't think that there's ever been a, a DC who's going to install a new system who actually shows a damn thing in the preseason, but the joint practices could give them a great opportunity to, you know, continue this experimentation that you're talking about. Yeah, because you're not going to do a bunch of exotic blitzes in a preseason no. game, right? <laughs> but it's just not going to happen. No one does. But you, but you might do it in practices. I mean, you have to. You have to rehearse it and see if, you know, if if these guys can handle it and be in the right spot. And I mean, you know, the other word we hear a lot is interchangeable, multiple. You know, having guys play different positions and different roles. And so I think that's what we're going to see a lot of in those joint practices. And you're right. It's not like the entire league is going to see, it, you know, who you're practicing against. They can see it, but what does that matter? You don't care. You're, you, you know, you're not worried about that. And so, um, and, and I, I like, I like KOC's philosophy on that. Bringing a team where you can really do a lot of uh, important work in those things, and then let your backups or guys who aren't going to make the team play in the preseason games and, and yes. don't worry about. I mean, you can get you can get injured in these practices too, just as easily. Right. But but you're not putting it on tape for everybody for the rest. And it's of the more controlled. It's, it's more, more controlled. controlled. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and the big thing is everybody doesn't have to see what you're doing. True. True. Um, so your your uh, column in the Star Tribune today focused on the loosey-goosey Kirk Cousins, uh, who, who talked about yeah. that in, in his press conference. What is your take about Kirk? Because you know what? He does – I think there's a lot less on his mind going into to year two. And look, I think a year ago at this time – his head was swimming, but he was definitely more comfortable because there's no question the relationship between him and Zimmer was toxic. Uh, this time, I think we are seeing this is as different of Kirk as I've seen, though, because I think football wise, he's not nearly as as trying to think things through. And I think he's been empowered so much by Kevin that you're sort of seeing that whole package come together. Yeah, I found it curious. and That's what I wrote about today, because I mean, last year, I think it was probably stressful for him. Because he yeah. was his head was spinning. He talked about the having to use flashcards, and this is you know it was overwhelming sometimes. So I think that was on his mind a lot. I mean, he obviously felt more comfortable with his head coach than he did the previous guy, and and that's I mean I think everybody saw him come out of his shell last year. But I was curious because and we talked about this leading up to camp. We didn't think it, his contract would be a disruption, but let's be honest, like he wanted a long term deal, and they said no, and they couldn't come to terms on it, and so they basically told him. We're fine with you riding out this season as a lame duck season. This will be your last, you know, possibly your last season. And so there could be a little awkwardness there, a little hurt feelings. I mean, if you're the guy saying, wow, they don't want to lock me up long term. Okay. You know, they, they just, are they wanting to move on from me? So 
but he hasn't made it that way in the least bit. It's become like basically a non-story the way he's carried himself. I mean, he, he you know he has this he gets up and talks for thirty minutes to all the coaches and players and pours his soul out there. Um, he's been goofy. He's been enlightening. He's he's been funny. Um, he shared more of his personality. So I it, it's kind of struck me as like. And I, I told him, I, I asked this question to him yesterday, is like in his, in that press conference to kick off camp, he used peace of mind a couple of times. And I, I sort of feel like that's where he's at. And I, I think that stems from one, he likes his head coach. He likes his system. He, he's comfortable with it now. But two, I think he knows even no matter what happens after a season, he's going to find a job, right? Whether it's here, oh, yeah. he wants it to be here, but if he has to go elsewhere, I don't know how much of the calculus it was in him agreeing to do that 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 documentary of Netflix, but you can't tell me that wasn't on his mind. Like, hey, thirty-one other teams are going to be able to see what I'm about. Yeah. As as I prepare, as I deal with injuries, as I am around my family, as I am around my teammates, that made him look good. And he probably thinks, you know what, all these other teams are looking at this, and this is a pretty good advantage for me if I have to go elsewhere. He's a weird guy too, Chipper, because I think he covets <laughs> he covets comfort. But yeah. but there are but there are certain and I'm not talking about in a game necessarily. Although we we saw him yeah. bring that team back eight times in, in the fourth quarter last season, there are times that we have seen him though thrive in the face of people not believing in in him. Michigan State, Washington yeah. twice, and you know yeah. he never really collapsed there. So I, I think that there is this there's definitely this chip on his shoulder, Kirk, that comes yeah. out. And I don't think it's a bad Kirk. So, like, this doesn't completely shock me. And you're right. Like, he almost seems to – I don't know if the right word's embrace, but he almost seems to sort of embrace um, – if this is adversity to any degree, yeah. almost seems to embrace it. Well, and go back to the other reason, I mean, uh, that he, he seems loose and okay with this. is like, John, this is the fourth time in his career that he's gone into a season and he's not guaranteed the next season. So is the end of his rookie deal, Washington and two franchise tag years. Right. So this is the first one. Yeah. This is the fourth and the first one here. Um, yeah. I mean, he's talked about that before. Like, you know, he's always had to prove people wrong and he's had doubters. And I, I think we got a glimpse of how that motivates him in terms of his preparation in that, in that Netflix documentary. Look how much he, like pours into like he's sitting out in his truck with that thing on his head studying his brain during a break i mean what quarterbacks are doing that right i mean the study that he does all the different um preparation that he does I, and he talked about you know he got the the body coach is what he calls him the guy's going to work with him this year and and he said shame on me if i don't pour everything into this to try to get as much out of this as as i can so i you know i give him credit for i think he was sitting that thing his greatest strength is his greatest weaknesses. He overthinks things a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he, we see that sometimes in, his, in, his, in the way he plays. But I also think that has allowed him to play at a pretty high level and be a starter and, you know, a durable guy for, a, you know, a long time now. So um, so I, I feel like he, he, at least internally, he feels like he's in a good spot, even though he doesn't have a contract after this year and the team is not – you know, they're not married to him. I mean, they haven't they haven't come out and said, you know, we want you to be the guy after this year. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. 
It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. It, it might help, too, though, that the team clearly does not have a clue about the replacement. Like, if they had drafted a guy too, high, yeah. it'd probably be a little bit, bit more threatening, but he doesn't have that, you know, hanging over his head. Now, what is the Chip Scoggins theory on the very interesting decision, in my opinion, to bring Dalton Reisner, a guard, a left guard throughout his pro career with the Broncos, in for a workout, uh, keeping in mind that Chris Cooper, the Vikings offensive line coach, was also Reisner's position coach in Denver. This seemed to be, this seemed to be to me like more than a potential look-see. Yeah, yeah. What was it that uh, when children used to say to everybody, ah, we're just kicking the tires. Judd, this is not kicking the tires. He's <laughs> driving the car. Yeah, this was like if you bring in a punter or you bring in another wide receiver to look, okay, that's kicking the tires. They know they have an issue there, right? They they know they have to upgrade that. I mean, that those three guys across the middle of that line, um, Brad Bradbury less than the two guards, but the two guards I think are an issue. Um, we'll see if Ingram shows any improvement after a really, really rough rookie year. I don't know. Um Ezra Cleveland, I'm not sold on. I, I don't think he had a great year. So it'll be interesting to see how many, I don't know, you know, riser left without signing him. Does that mean he's not going to sign? If if a veteran gets cut somewhere as a cap casualty, if, if they try to bolster that and bring someone in, because I, I feel like they know they have to upgrade there. Do you think they saw something in camp? Like what's weird is why you wouldn't have tried, done this in the springtime, right? Or in the winter. Do you think they saw something they didn't like? Like, what What do you think? Because yeah. it's late in the ballgame to be doing this. What do you think changed their thinking to be open for Reisner to at least be brought in? Yeah, the timing makes you think that uh, they were expecting something they haven't saw or haven't seen the first week of camp. And maybe they, you know, maybe they thought someone was going to, you know, be better, make an improvement, whatever, and it's not there. So they said, all right, we need to uh, – we can't we can't sit uh, still on this. We have to go out and try to find someone. So I, my hunch is, that's not the last time they're going to do this. And I, and I I just keep thinking they're going to make a move to upgrade that um, those spots because, as that documentary showed, Judd, the pounding that he took, yeah, is not because it's took is not sustainable. I mean, yes, he's tough and yes, he works hard to get back on it and he's he's been durable, but. Um, I don't know he could go through another year of that, right, and, and, and play every game. So they're going to have to solidify. I mean, to me, that that put out there in stark detail just how much that's still an issue. I mean, we thought the offensive line played better last year, and it probably did. Right. But I don't think we'd sit here and say they should be comfortable with where they're at. And what's weird about that that whole thing, and I completely agree, because the net the Netflix thing, just from watching Ezra Cleveland continually pick up Kirk after he got beat, uh, certainly shined a light on that. But again, the team knew that before, and so yeah. I'm curious. I'm I'm also curious if they uh, decide to proceed forward with Reisner, does he go to left guard? Does he go to left guard and Cleveland goes to right guard? Is Ingram untouchable because he's Quasi's second round pick? Because I mean, you could make yeah. a case for for especially in pass pro either one of those guys being supplanted, but they stuck with Ingram through 17 games. I'm hard-pressed to believe he's going to be replaced now, so i got to think it's Cleveland. Well, that, that's – yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, Judd, they, the reason why you let him, Ingram, play those games and really struggle and fight through it is because you're hoping you get a payoff the next year and he's going to build on that. And so 
it would feel uh, weird that if they just pulled the plug on it now and say, well, we stuck the whole year and, and you know, we're going to go somewhere. You know, so, so maybe it is Cleveland. Um, you know, I, again, we, we focused so much on Ingram last year and the struggles that Cleveland probably got a little bit of a pass uh, more than him. But, um, you know, quite honestly, I, you could probably upgrade both positions if you, if you, you know, if you're looking out there and see who gets cut. Um, obviously, you know, there's no guarantees that someone's on the street that they're going to come in and walk in and be a highly productive guy either. But, um, right. but I just, I, again, it's interesting that they didn't do that in the off season, that that yes. wasn't a, a hot priority in the off season. It's like something happened here. Like, it's like, we don't know yeah. and, and they, they're not going to share it, but yeah, it's like something t- took place here. Um, speaking of uh, 2022 high draft picks, are you surprised at all that for the second consecutive camp, Lewis seen appears yeah. to not be getting a sniff of first team work. I mean, and look, Metellus has obviously carved out a nice niche in that big mm-hmm. nickel role, but I thought that scene at least might, I don't know, com- compete against Cam Bynum. It's almost like Ed Donatel and, and Brian Flores agree on this. And if they agree, there's probably something wrong with your play. Well, it's, you know, you see that play he made Saturday. Yeah. And I think we're, we were all right there. And we're like, whoa. I mean, you saw the sideline. I mean, that was a big-time athletic play. And then I can't remember if it was Flores or a position coach um, was talking about it, and, and he said, just doing that consistency, having that consistency. And so I think that's the biggest thing, Judd, is just him being consistent, knowing what he's, his responsibility, and being in the right place. Because you see that player, you're like, okay, he has a physical talent to go do it. But um, clearly, they're not seeing what they want to see that's going to elevate him into a more prominent role. And I think it probably just does come down to being able to do it play after play after play after play and not just show that flash. Um, because, I mean, right now, you know, Cam Bynum, he played every he played every snap last year and he's yeah. going to be on the field. Metellus, they clearly have a, you know, a uh, – an idea in mind to how they want to use him. And Harrison, you know, he's obviously, I thought he's, he's looked good in camp. I mean, he's made a couple uh, interceptions. He, I can tell you when I sat down with him, he was super excited um, to be in Flores' defense. And he, you know, he was complimentary of Ed Tonantel. He didn't, he didn't say anything negative, but he did say, you know, that Donatel scheme is popular around the NFL, but it doesn't fit me. It's not the best fit for me. He feels like he's a better fit for Flores. Um, and he said, and they're going to use him. And he said, I think they'll use me in ways that, uh, that Zim didn't. So he, I think he's excited to see how Flores is going to use him. So, you know, there's, there's numbers there and Lewis seen has just not been able to crack it. And you keep waiting for that moment to come, but he, he clearly has to show them more to gain their trust. Excuse my, my dog. Stella is very Stella! upset. She's very Stella. upset. I think Ed Donatel just walked by the house, and now she's all, he's not coaching anymore, Stella. Cut him some slack. <laughs> you said Donatel, and she heard it. She's like, oh, I hate that guy. Um, I, and it, I, you know, Flores strikes me as the type of guy, Chipper, who is, uh, who's itching to create competition. So I do yeah. think it's, it's interesting that scene, and before he got hurt in practice a couple days ago, Andrew Booth Jr. are yeah. both stuck on that second team. Um and the booth thing, I think, is a little bit startling because, I mean, again, now that that's a second round pick, 
Joan Williams, who was signed as a free agent from the Patriots, was playing first team nickel before. Now uh, Makai Blackman is getting a chance. So I got to yeah. think with Seen and Booth, that's a pretty big indictment that both of them aren't even seen, aren't even considered uh, to be worthy competitors for spots on the first team. Well, and Booth has to stay healthy. I mean, that's his biggest thing, right? Oh, I can't. Yeah, I know. Yes. I mean, you know, last year he battled injuries, and then he, he went down on uh, was it Monday or whatever day it was when, you know, he walked off the field and he's hurt. Um, so I think for him, it's just he has to, he has to earn the trust that he can stay on the field. Um, seeing, you know, again, we have, the, I think he's, you know, showing more consistency. But, yeah, I think, I think Flores, especially in the secondary, he's talked about, there's a lot of competition there and there's jobs open. And so these guys have to gain his trust. And I'll go back to the thing we talked about earlier is, is communication. He, you know, you can't have blown coverages. You can't be in the wrong place and earn his trust. I mean, I think um, you, I've heard guys say that, that he gives them a certain freedom to go make plays, but with that comes trust, right? He has to, he has to be able to trust that you're going to be in the right spot. And so, um, it'll be interesting to see at the end of this camp how that depth chart in the in the secondary shakes out because you're going to know like this is the guys that have won his trust the most and that he believes is going to be able to run his defense the best. Last thing, Chipper, how much more confidence do you have in in this team defense in particular with Daniil Hunter now there? Because I, I think we've talked about this. I think that was absolutely imperative to get him back for at least this season. Yeah, it had to be. And you know what, I feel like this was the right compromise. I thought this would be the compromise. I, I didn't um, – I thought they could trade him if, 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 if Daniil and his representatives were stuck on being, you know, a multi-year, you know, long-term deal and being up there in the Bosa's world in, in that neighborhood with, with pay. I think it's good for both sides. I mean, yep. clearly the team needs Daniil this year. I mean, his defense just does not uh, look the same without him. Uh, I think Flores will be able to get the best out of him. And for Daniil, you know, this is a chance for him to prove it and, and hit that free agent market last year without a tag, right? He can be a free agent. Uh, he can go wherever he wants to try to get that that big deal, long-term deal that he wants. And so uh, I think you're going to probably see his best performance or best version of himself this year because it is a contract year. He's in a defense that's going to allow him um, to be aggressive and do different things. And so – I think it's um, I think it's a good compromise for both sides. He did not miss a workout day. Yeah, that guy yeah. is he is chiseled. He is chiseled. I know. Oh and my! Somebody said you feel better when he's in the huddle. I just, you yeah. Know. yeah, no kidding, no yeah. kidding. All right, Chips Goggins, thanks much. I will uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks on right. uh, Purple Access. Okay. All right, boys. We'll see you. All right. Bye-bye.